You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Are you ready to keep fanning the flames of the Holy Spirit today with us on Real Presence Live here in Rapid City, South Dakota? I'm your host, Dr. Kathleen Kavorik. And Bishop Stephen Beegler from the Diocese of Cheyenne is joining us for the second half of the show, where we'll be looking at how the gift of prophecy fits for Bishop Stephen's call and mission. Welcome, Bishop Stephen. Thank you. How, good, to how, be, good to be with you. How are you doing today? How are things going? It's a great, beautiful day in Cheyenne. All right. Super. Um, I thought I would share with our listeners a little bit about our connection as we get going today. Um, I have known Bishop Stephen actually for quite a while. Um, uh, Bishop Stephen was a good friend of my brother Pete, who was a priest here in the Diocese of Rapid City. And we go back, um, I think we go back to our spelunking time in Jewel Cave together uh, when... Pete and you and Father Tim Hoig, and I don't know how I glommed on to your group, but uh, do you remember that spelunking trip, Bishop Stephen? I do, I do. Yeah, it was an interesting time. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely an interesting time. Uh, Father Tim Hoig had a little difficulty um, going through, they have a concrete block that has a hole in the middle of it, and you have to crawl through that in order to be allowed down into this part of the cave because there's this quite long section that is really narrow. And I remember he had a difficult time getting through that block. And, uh, of course, you guys kind of, like, egged him on. You didn't pressure him at all, did you, you know, to make him do that? So I think it was kind of a manly thing he had to manage to get through that. But I think it was a little nerve-wracking for him um, in the process all through the cave. I was the one who was behind him in that narrow part of the cave, so I remember that well. Maybe I remember that better than you do. So, So I also, Bishop Stephen, I probably remember you from going out to Timber Lake and visiting Pete and having you and others kind of join us um, for dinner and actually for our listeners. You know, it's funny the things that stick with you, but uh, Bishop Stephen, I remember you actually being one of the first ones to get the table cleared and I remember you sitting there washing the dishes when when I was really kind of just wanting to keep drinking my glass of wine with the group. And, and you were out there with your servant heart uh, getting the work done. So that is my memory of you that goes way back. Yeah. So, yeah. so you were just here recently in Rapid City, Bishop Stephen, talking on the Beatitudes? Yeah, so I had a retreat at Tarasanka Retreat Center, um, scheduled it. Um, their 10th anniversary is, is this year, so they've been open for 10 years now as a retreat center. And so I was invited to come up and, and do a retreat and decided the attitudes, which are really um, rich and just contain so much of really uh, the teaching of Christ. So really worked on those, and I think it was a good experience. There are probably 100 or more people in attendance, and so great to see some old friends and, and um, re, you know, get reacquainted with people and just reflect together on the attitudes. It was really it was a good weekend. 
Well, it's, I heard wonderful things about it. I was sick and couldn't go, so I was super disappointed. But I've had friends <laughs> filling me in. And I, th- I think those uh, the tapes are available from that for any of you who might be interested in um, listening to Bishop Stevens' retreat, that you can get those from Terra Sancta Retreat Center here in Rapid City. So, um, Bishop Stephen, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Just a little snapshot of sure, yourself? Sure, yeah, briefly, yeah, briefly um, you know, from a ranching and farming area up in the northern part of South Dakota near Timber Lake. Um, I have a large family, 12 brothers and sisters. And I mostly ranched and farmed until I was 27 years old and then um, decided to discern better about priesthood and went to the seminary. So I went to Immaculate Heart of Mary Seminary and went on to Minnesota for three years and then from there on to the North American College in Rome where I studied um, theology at the, at the Gregorian University in Rome. Um, eventually, after some other years of, of being a priest, I went back and finished a, a license degree, which is an STL, to focus on biblical theology. So did that, and then ministry uh, in ministry as a priest in Rapid City. I, you know, I served in rural parishes. I was on a reservation setting for seven years. Um, and then near near our Rapid City area for about 10 years, five of those years in Piedmont, some years as school chaplain and teacher, also Newman Center chaplain, ended as pastor of the cathedral during that time, served as vicar general for four years, and diocesan administrator between the bishops, um, when Bishop Supich left and before Bishop Cruz came. Um, so those are some things. Um, my background currently... I'm on a, um, normally when you're a bishop, they put you on some committee with the United States Council of Catholic Bishops, so I'm on the subcommittee on the translation of scripture texts. So we're working oh. on, on uh, scripture texts right now. Oh, that's, I bet that's interesting for you. Yeah, there's a retranslation that we're working on, an update of the translation of the entire Bible we're working on. The, we're almost through the New Testament right now, and then we'll We'll be looking at the Old Testament. So, oh, that would be fun to talk with you more about sometime too. That's that's interesting. I, it, you know, it's interesting too. As I'm just listening to, you know, all the areas that you've been in here in South Dakota. You know how how awesome that was for your preparation to become a bishop. You know, with the variety of the areas that you worked in, and I know we overlapped for you know with when I worked for the diocese as director of family life ministry. So I think you were out on the res at that time, um, and I, I remember going and and going around with Phyllis DeCorey, um, who was our Native American director, and going out to all the reservations with her that very first fall when I came on board. So um, it's it's just an amazing variety of things that you've done, and I, you know, too, uh, Bishop Stephen, I I look at uh, being out here at Terra Sancta, and I know you were really pivotal in getting Terra Sancta up and rolling. I guess I was driving over the hill today and coming down into the valley uh, where the retreat center is. I was I was actually kind of remembering you in the hard hat as you were, you know, supervising some of the work that happened out here. So that's, yeah, that was a, that was a, yeah, it was it was an exciting time. Yes, so. yes, it, it really was. It's amazing, um, you know what what the Lord brought about um, 
you know, through all the people that gave for this retreat center as well as, you know, all the hard work that, that you and many others did to make this a reality. That was really cool. Well, today yeah. we're, we're going to talk a little bit about um, your, your gift of prophecy, which actually comes out, um, as we talked about, in sermons and writings. But before we get into that, I just ran into a great scripture that, um, you know, there's so much prophecy that's in scripture when we really look at it. So I would like to um, share this and read it. Uh, for our listeners, and it's from Luke chapter 5, the call of Simon the fisherman. I think it also fits for you, Bishop Stephen, with the call on your life. Um, While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out a short distance from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, we have worked hard all night and have caught nothing, but at your command I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they had caught a great number of fish, and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to help them. They came and filled both boats so that they were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of the fish they had made seized him and all those with him. And likewise, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to to the shore, they left everything and followed him. Which, which, Bishop Stephen, I'm going to go back to your story for a minute, and then we'll look more at this as prophecy, you know, which is true of your journey, like, Tell, tell us a little bit more about your vocation story. Yeah, you, sure. you, um, yeah I'll just give you a couple of maybe moments that were key. You know, I said that I ranched until I was 27. In fact, right after high school, I, I took one year and went to the School of Mines in Rapid City. And um, because just exploring my own, you know, what, what, what should I do with my life? And, and they said, oh, you know, you're good at science and math, you should maybe think about engineering, so I went there and anyway, did very well with the classes, but didn't find myself being kind of drawn to that whole life of being an engineer. At the end of that first year, I remember being a freshman, I had mapped out a double major, I sat with that and kind of prayerfully in my room and finally asked very clearly, Lord, what do you want me to do? I can't, it's not clear to me, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And very clearly, very clearly a sense of, you know, being a priest came to mind, which was um, not the answer I was looking for, and um, <laughs> being pretty, pretty um, a, a, too big of a step for me at that time. I knew the celibacy, what was that? I didn't necessarily think that was something that was I could do, or just even uh-huh. being a priest and preaching and all of that. So, but it was a it was a moment where kind of things really were clearly kind of being revealed, and then 
I, you know, I just went home and, and worked and farmed and ranched that summer and kept thinking about it and just couldn't just couldn't make that step. So just kind of continued to be home on a ranch and farming yeah. and ranching. And But that really allowed me also actually some a lot of silent time. And the silence for me um, continued to just work my heart and continued to kind of open me to, to listen better. Yeah. Um, not necessarily at that time listening to the scriptures, but listening to God and the beauty of nature. And I and I realized that as I looked back and finally went to the seminary that there was a lot of experience of God just in the silence, the beauty of nature, and kind of being drawn into a relationship. And so, and even some powerful moments of you know God's grace there, like a one moment of being really experiencing God's forgiveness, um, just all in the open by myself and kind of talking about where there was some disruption in a family relationship and asking for forgiveness and just being filled with forgiveness or one time being mm. being at mass on a saturday night totally exhausted from just the work the physical work and i remember it was the holy holy and, and just saying i'm so tired i would like to just be refreshed and being totally refreshed at the holy holy and anyway getting getting some taste of god and and really realizing you know i just want to know more about god and i want to help others know more about that um, so there are some other powerful experiences, but I would say, you know, everybody should, especially young people, should always be asking, what, are, what do you want? Yes. Um, you've made me, you've created me. Um, but, that, but that's also a way to listen. And so that silence in, the, in nature, which is easy for people, easier, I think, for people at least in a rural area, like Western South Dakota. Yes, yes. Wyoming, to just, just be quiet and listen. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is so beautiful. Bishop Stephen, that is that is great and a power, really powerful call because you continue to spend time with the Lord to ask and to listen. Those are key ingredients. Well, we have got to go to a quick break right now, and when we come back, we will look more at this uh, prophetic gift and how it plays out in the life of Bishop Stephen. So stay with us here on Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Are all sins forgivable, even suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Jesus said that there's only one unforgivable sin, the sin against the Holy Spirit. Basically, that means dying without repenting. But how can someone who dies suddenly, such as by suicide, have a chance to repent of any sins? Jesus tells St. Faustina that he comes to the soul at death and gives them three opportunities to repent. Regarding suicide, Catechism 2283 says, By ways known to him alone, God offers them the opportunity for repentance. In essence, the only unforgivable sin is not accepting the mercy of God. So to learn how to help your loved ones do just that, please visit suicideandhope.com. So I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Hi, this is Mark Holcraft. And this is Dr. Joseph Holcraft. You know, Mark, Jesus asks 307 questions in sacred scripture. He has asked 183, of which he only answers three. 
What's the business with all of this questioning going on in the Bible? Well, Joe, there's a lot there, and we'll be ready to take that on. Tune in to hear about these questions and more on Awaken every second and fourth Wednesday at 7 a.m. Central here on Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. This is Kathleen Kavorik, and I'm here with Bishop Stephen Beegler from the Diocese of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Bishop Stephen, I always love it. Um, You are one of the few bishops that covers the entire state, right? Or are there a few? Is Alaska, does Alaska just have one bishop? No, Alaska has um, a couple of different dioceses, but much greater territory, though. Like Fairbanks, the diocese of Fairbanks would be larger larger than the entire state of Texas. Well, I would would guess you're putting a lot of miles on your car there in Wyoming. Yeah, I, I mean, we do cover the whole state, but I try to coordinate kind of when I go out, and not just out and back for one thing. So, yeah, I've got a lot of miles. Yeah, yeah, covering mm-hmm. that beautiful state. That's great. Well, we were just listening to Bishop Stevens' vocation story and um, that deep listening that he did to the Lord. And I wanted to take us back for a minute to the scripture that I had just read about the call of... Um, the call of Peter, the fisherman. And I think it's a wonderful scripture because it shows all these different aspects of the prophetic within it. Um, And I was really kind of fascinated to study that and realize that. So, you know, as as we see, the first thing that Peter did in that scripture is he did like you did, Bishop Stephen, and he, he was listening. And Again, like your story also, he was obedient to take that next step, even though it seemed to him, I'm sure he'd been fishing all night, kind of nonsensical. Why would we go and do that again? But he was obedient, and I think that's an important part, um, you know, when we are listening to the Lord. And I love in that scripture how miraculous the... um, how miraculous the catch was. Um, It said it seized him and all those with him. And then the next aspect was an aspect of prophecy that we talked about earlier, which he was convicted. Peter was convicted in this. And he says, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Um, And that really... Is, is beautiful because that conviction then served to have him make that huge leap of leaving everything and following the Lord. So, um, so it's, a, it's a great scripture, and, and I think, Bishop Stephen, um, it kind of matches your life in, that, in your vocation story also. 
Um, and of course, I believe that that's not just for for priests, for religious, but I think the call is for all of us. We're all to be radically, radically serving the Lord. Um, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, that's part of our baptism. Yeah, we really it, do share in, in the gift of the Holy Spirit, and, and then the Spirit's always giving us to us to continue to live and act like Jesus. So it's very basic to the grace of baptism. Yes, yes. So um, so to go back, um, or to, to dive into Bishop Stephen, how prophecy, how God operates in prophecy through you, would you tell us a little more about that? Sure. Uh, you know, I think maybe to start broadly, I, I noticed, hadn't really been exposed much to the Bible or Scripture before going to seminary, but really fell in love with studying the Scripture um, during that time in seminary, um, not only in classes, but just often prayed with the Bible um, open, and didn't know much about Lexio Divina at the time, which is a, you know, a way of praying with the Scripture, but was just sitting with the Scripture text and, and really um, kind of being quiet with that, and more, more listening than speaking myself, which and now I realize this is the primary we're supposed to pray is, is that we're first of all supposed to listen, not to do you know, fill the fill the prayer time so much with our own words. But yes. So anyway, you know, just that um, fascination with scripture, um, being fed by spending time with it, ending up getting, as I said, a, a licentiate in biblical in, in biblical theology, and then even as a priest early on. I often tried to discipline myself that every day in preparation for the next for Mass on a daily Mass basis, every evening spend 20-30 minutes just kind of diving into a particular Scripture passage, as well as um, not only preparing for, for the daily Mass like that, but then three, four days a week spending anywhere between a half hour up to an hour looking at the readings for Sunday Mass, so really just taking time regularly to be with the, the, um, the Scriptures. Um, one of the professors that I had gave an image of, um, it was easy for a real person to understand the image, you know, cows ruminate on on <laughs> what they eat, but they have, they have several stomachs. <laughs> and he said, you know, these parables, these parables, you really need to ruminate on them. You need to keep kind of rolling them through your heart. Oh, um, just staying with them, um, or another um, image that was given to me. I was I was attending a homiletic seminar, I think, in Chicago, one of the first years of priesthood. And said, this person said, "A homily is like the process of of giving birth. There's kind of a gestation period where you have to kind of just be open to allowing that seed of the word being planted. It takes time. There's a process." Um, so there's a, there's kind of a rumination. There's there's time that you just need to spend. And um, I mean, up to the prophet in general, a prophet is someone who receives God's word and speaks God's word, not their own word. And 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 um, and uh, you know, obviously, the, the the verification of a prophet is that what they say bears fruit. What they say yes. is is there's some food in people's lives, or it, it um, identifies what needs to be identified in a particular time. So, 
Yeah, that's what I, I mean, I've done that, and then, you know, as I do the prayer homilies, I just a simple prayer sometime during the homily, maybe especially when I'm, like, not sure what to say. I just, simple prayer to say, Lord, what do you want? What do you want your people to hear? They're your people. This is your word. Open, you know, open my mind to that. Um, guide my heart to, to, to speak a message from you. <clears throat> and then also, part of what I've done um, over most every assignment where I was with a priest and even now as a bishop, there's some kind of listening with others. Um, for example, some places I just had a time where we spent 30 to 30 minutes up to an hour just opening up the scripture passages for Sunday, listening to them, and then listening to how people hear them. What's the, what are their mm-hmm. questions? What strikes them? How does that speak to what's going on in their life? Um, <clears throat> because I, as I also prepare, go ahead. No, I love that part when you get the wisdom of the group and how God is. Yeah, speaking to others, that's beautiful. Yeah, and I find that, you know, I I, I can then hear um, the word through others, and I can also hear their questions and hear how what they're dealing with in their life and the, all of that. Um, one of the homiletic I- images that was given to me of how you prepare a homily is, you know, you hold the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. And so I always try to... Um, <laughs> You know, I try to even list as I'm doing a homily, what are some of the major things people are dealing with right now? What are, What's happening personally? Um, what's happening on the political stage? What's happening, you know, in our nation? What are primary issues that, are, that people are dealing with, maybe at the family level? <clears throat> so then just to, you know, apply the word to, uh, which you'll see in the prophets all the time, they're basically applying the word to the reality of people's lives at that moment or the reality of the nation of Israel. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that that is totally how it works. You know, again, the, the gift of prophecy that I have is different from yours, but I, I was really taught, and I really do it. I keep one ear to the person and their story as it's being shared and revealed, and the other ear to the Holy Spirit, to the Lord you know, for his wisdom in that. So, yeah, that is beautiful, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love how how you bring it into people's everyday lives. And that's just the Lord. I mean, that's that's how he is. He cares about He cares about us in that way, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bishop Stephen, what, um, what other gifts do you need and do you have what other gifts of the spirit not just natural gifts do you see in your ministry and the gifts that you were given for your call which of course is now as a bishop yeah i mean i you know i did do the uh, Catholic uh, workshop um and did their spiritual inventory gifts spiritual gifts inventory um it's always a little bit, there's a discerning process there, and you're not sure exactly, but it seems like administration or leadership, it's hard to, um, even which which is the right term. Potentially, another one might be pastoring, which they kind of identified as building Christian community by nurturing relationships and a long-term yes. spiritual growth. So, so I think that's maybe there. I, I kind of see that. And then maybe encouragement. Um yes encouragement the way they define it at least is nurturing others just by an encouraging presence 
uh, might be through spiritual doctrine or counseling or grief ministry, visiting the sick. Um, might also be in small groups. But administration leadership might stand out probably together with prophecy is one of the stronger ones, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to laugh. you mentioning encouragement. I, I, In addition, I would have to say, because I know you well, um, even your gift of humor works well within that. And you've been holding it back admirably this morning, which... Which I appreciate, or I don't know, maybe the listeners need to know that side of you more, Bishop Stephen. And don't you think I have been doing well, just as an aside, I haven't called you Beegs once, or Father Steve, you know, which I've known you more as. So, uh, anyway, I, I do, I love how God also uses that incredible uh, gift of humor that he gave you. And uh, I don't know, it's not always a Holy Spirit gift, but... <laughs> It's beautiful when that comes out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, it was interesting as we were talking the other day, you know, because you mentioned administration had been high, but the more we talked, um, and again, I'm used to doing these interviews for Catherine of Siena Institute, but the more we talked, the more I thought, I think you really have a gift of leadership. Um, you know, you talked about um, captaining a ship is maybe what it feels like. Um, tell, tell us more about that leadership aspect. Yeah, so even the image of captaining a ship, um, that's actually the word in the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 28, when Paul is listing the, the charisms of the Spirit. Um, he uses that image. He uses actually, the word he uses is a word that's literally um, steering a ship. Um, in, the, in the Latin translation, they translate it as, as, well, the Latin word is gubernationis, which is like government. But government, actually, even the verb for governing in Latin is the verb for steering a ship. It's being at the helm. It's, it's being in that leadership position. So anyway, Paul uses an, a word that's the same word, or at least a, a, a cognate of the word for a captain of a ship, but it's, it's more like governing the ship or, or or steering the whole ship. And you think of that, um, you know, the captain of a ship has to be able to, Not he doesn't do everything by himself. He has a sense of um, all the different duties on the ship, all the different gifts, coordinating those, governing those, making sure that they're all used, that the ship's going in the right direction. Um, so anyway, that's that image. Um, one example for us here would be, as I came to the Isis of Cheyenne, listening to all the needs, and there were several entities that really needed to grow their development, to grow investment of funds so they could actually fund their their their, um, their entity. And so as I listened to that more and more, um, we just recently, within the last nine months, we we had five groups come together for a common purpose to do development together so that everyone isn't doing it individually. And each of those five groups is donating so much every year for the next five years for common development efforts with our Wyoming Catholic Ministries Foundation Board. And it was just kind of bringing that together and listening to all that together and, and, and seeing the bigger picture and, and encouraging yeah. all those five entities to do that together. I, I think that uh, seeing the bigger picture, that visionary aspect is definitely something that is part of that gift of leadership, for sure. That ability um, is not 
an ability that everyone has. So um, what a what a wonderful you know what a wonderful example of how that gift is used. So um, Bishop Stephen, stay with me, and listeners, stay with us. We're going to a quick break, and we will be back to talk more about the gift of prophecy here on Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management's properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. For questions, Rose Management can be reached at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Yeah, I've been listening to Catholic Radio <clears throat> starting out in Seattle, uh, Sacred Heart Radio. Had a had a long commute and, you know, searching through the stations kind of came up upon Catholic Radio, and, you know, people were asking a lot of questions that I had, and I was able to kind of passively listen to all the different responses and ponder those and kind of carry on a conversation with the radio in my car and and then proceed to look things up further as I as I learned about it. So, so I have a lot of favorites, um, did a lot for me in my life and continues to um, really like Catholic Answers and all the uh, different themed hours they have where people can call in and ask virtually anything, um, like pressed in the afternoon, getting that uh, Catholic perspective um, on the on the news for the day and all that's going on. Um, you know, and I, I could go on and on, uh, like all the programs. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers vision therapy services for children and adults. Symptoms of poor reading comprehension, headaches, tired eyes, and poor coordination can be indicators of eye movement conditions which affect reading and learning. Eye movement disorders are often undetected by school vision screenings and regular eye exams. For more information about how vision therapy can help treat these conditions, our website is www.lumen.vision. This is Kathleen Kavorik, and we are fanning the flames here on Real Presence Live, uh, talking about the gift of prophecy with Bishop Stephen Beegler of the Diocese of Cheyenne. So, Bishop Stephen, um, keep sharing about about prophecy with us. What what else comes to mind? that you would like to share. Like you were saying that with the Beatitudes that um, there were some pieces of the prophetic that came out in that. Right. So always when I look at the scriptures, the first thing I try to do is see how um, they actually reflect Jesus' own spiritual life and and one of the ways that he's even described is he's described as a prophet. Yeah. Um, so I think it's best even to look at how that prophecy is seen in him and then how you see that similar kind of thing in saints or other people. So, for example, um, the prophet is so focused on the Word that it really consumes his or her life. 
Um, they're just consumed by the Word of God, and really, to be consumed by the Word of God really means that that relationship with God becomes absolute. It becomes just a place that Jesus would use the image of fire. Uh, so, in yes. other words, <laughs> if you remember that, um, in Luke chapter 12, this verses 49 to 50, it says, I have come to set the earth on fire. How I, I wish it were already, already burning. <laughs> yes. Um, so he's got this sense of fire in him himself. Um, now, in the verses that follow there, actually, he says, do you think I've come to establish peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, a household of five will be divided. Three against two, two against three. They will be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. So there's this kind of absolute sense of God's Word that prioritizes now God above everything else, and even it might put you at odds with family members, we would say. Yes. Um, if you look at Jesus, he, he just wasn't afraid to offend anyone. Um, <laughs> even those close, yeah, even those closest <laughs> to him, um, you know, when yeah. Peter says, um, when he tells Peter and the disciples he's going to suffer and die, and Peter rebukes them, saying, you know, that should never happen to you, Lord. He says, get behind me, Satan. Yes. You're no, long, you're no longer the rock of faith, but a stumbling stone. Yeah. You're not thinking like God, but like human beings. So he would, he would just let no one get in the way to really do the Father's will, which is really to act on the, on the Word of the Father. Yes. You know, he really, he really had that. I mean, when you look at prophecy, I think you have to come back to Jesus and say, how did that manifest itself in his life? Um, and it's all about you know, doing the will of the Father, which is really listening to the Word and acting on that as a priority in my life. Um, and as an example that I can remember, I was a seminarian in Rome. I was doing, we are, everyone always has an apostolate or a ministry that they do, and I was working with the missionary of charity, missionaries of charity, which is Mother Teresa's sister's. And when she would come to Rome, the sisters would call us at the seminary, and they'd say, well, my mother is in town, and if you come early to Mass, you can meet her. So we went early. Mass, I think, was at 6.30, and we were there. And after Mass, everybody lined up. And, and uh, just a couple of people in front of me, um, this person was greeting her, and he, went, he was started to tell her of how he was making a movie in India, and he could, she picked up on it. He was trying to impress her with these <laughs> wonderful things he was doing, and she just stopped him in his tracks, and she said, don't tell me about all these things. Mm -hmm. She said, I want to know, what are you doing for Jesus? What are you doing for Jesus? And she repeated that, and I wow. thought, whoa, um, she's kind of nailing him to the ground. Um, I wasn't sure that I wanted to meet her anymore that morning. Um, <laughs> What did she give you, know, you of? <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't know what, what was she going to say to me. She was like, you know, only about shoulder high to me, but she was fierce. Yes. But, but it's that, but it's that kind of fire inside. Mm. But I, I like to describe it as the prophets free inside. They don't care what anybody else thinks. They mm -hmm. first of all want to please God. Yes. Um, and that's really one of the goals of discipleship for everybody, even if you don't have the charism of prophecy. Um, yeah. It has to be that freedom inside because the fire of God or the Word of God is kind of becomes prioritized in your life. Um, so that, you know, and it really, um, it's co so connected to spending time with the Word because the Word then frees you up. It frees you from your own selfishness or your own kind of priorities, but also from what other, others might want or say is 
important. Um, another example for me is Oscar Romero, um, Archbishop yeah. Oscar Romero, who was killed really because he spoke God's word so clearly. Just two days before he was killed during the Sunday homily, he addressed the soldiers. Um, now, that was broadcast on radio, but some of them were even present in the church and just demanded them to stop killing their fellow citizens. He said, in the name of God, in the name of the suffering people, whose laments rise to heaven each day more tumultuous, I beg you, I beseech you, I order you in the name of God, stop mm-hmm. the repression. Two Ooh. days later, he was assassinated at the altar. Wow. Um, and they had killed other priests before Romero. He was actually receiving death threats. He just the word of yeah. God had really captured him, and he just had to speak. So, I mean, yes. you just see that kind of a... Um, that's kind of the charism of prophecy. Obviously, I think he yes. had the charism. Frankly, I, I think Pope Francis has the charism of prophecy. He's fairly in touch with the Word. His encyclicals are very kind of focused on the Word. They're driven by the Word. They're opening up the Gospel to us. And people find it disturbing. Um, some people are rejecting him, but I think that should not disturb us. Catholic Young Institute would say the prophets are rejected traditionally in the Church, those with the charism of prophecy. So you should, if someone is a prophet, they should actually be rejected. Yes, um, yes. And, you, yeah, you expect that. I know totally what you're saying, Bishop Stephen. It, it goes with the territory. I, you know, yeah. and going back to Old Testament prophets, that certainly was true for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think even if you look at the pure of heart, the pure of heart are pure in some ways to say, yeah, they're purified from sin, but it's the Word, Jesus would say, that purifies them. And so, you know, there's a temptation for all of us, I think, to want to be popular. I have that same temptation to have people speak well of us. Mm-hmm. We should always be wary of that, because it could signal, um, Jesus would even say, false prophecy. At least in Luke's Gospel, when he does the Beatitudes, he says, woe to you when all speak well of you. Yeah. For their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. So that we have to always see, um, it's not that we don't receive criticism. Sometimes people's criticism actually helps us see, and maybe it's prophetic for us. So we should listen to helpful criticism, but ultimately, we shouldn't be overly anxious about the opinions of others, because whether they're praising us or they're being derogatory, what ultimately matters is, do we line up with God's Word? And the prophet kind of has that freedom inside. Um, it's truly a sign of a prophet, I think, to have that inner freedom, uh, even a freedom that would, would uh, make them peaceful to stand in front of people and know this is going to be disturbing. <laughs> oh, it's interesting that you say that. I was at a, um, I was probably the sole Catholic at a wonderful, wonderful, um, you know, prophetic conference. And I ended up standing, I had no intention, and I ended up standing in front, and actually the words the Lord gave me was the Holy Spirit is alive and well in the Catholic Church. And believe it or not, that fell on hard soil. I have never, I have never had such a reaction in my life. You know, long story, won't go into it, but uh, yeah. You're not, it's not always received, even if it's totally from the Lord. But, you know, we don't know what he was doing with that. And, and basically, it comes down to when we have a close relationship with him, we trust him. You know, we trust him. And, yes, I can be embarrassed, whatever. Get over it. Get over yourself. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I totally know what you mean on that, Bishop Stephen. Um, it's, it's not the easy life, but it is a wonderful life, too, operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, important, I think, for the power that's needed in our church. Um, again, you know, going back to the early church, I, lo- I just love to reread Acts of the Apostles and, and to see how the Lord was able to move in power so frequently. Um, and, and I think, like Heather mentioned earlier, I think it's still available for us today, for all of us. But um, but we we do have to be willing to make a leap and get out of our comfort zone. I think that's part of it. Um, what what do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, I've always found myself in, that, in those moments. Not you keep listening. It's very uncomfortable. There's an uncomfortable part of it because you know that. I mean, I've seen people get up and just walk out of the middle of homily. <laughs> And you always want to listen to say, okay, is this, is this my own opinion, or am I really centered in what God wants here? But you, there should be, I think, some feeling of being totally alone at times, because that's where the Word will take you. Yes, and, and you know, what you just brought up there, though, that's important. Um, that's important to go back to and to ask the Lord, you know, was this me or was this you? You know, because at times we we go on our own understanding. You know, at times we are, you know, we are weak human beings with all sorts of healing needs, and we can be operating out of one of our wounds. So those things, those things are always things that we should be taking back to the Lord and, you know, getting his input on, you know, too, because it can be either or, um, both of those things are possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I was just thinking, you know, it's too bad in a way that we're not a call-in show um, or, you know, we could we could have the listeners ask us different questions. So I kind of thought it would be fun to look at some questions that some of the listeners might have for us. And, and so, you know, if you, if you can think of any. But... Um, you know, um, one of the one of the things that I often get when I talk to people about the spiritual gifts in general, not just prophecy particularly, but um, people worry that there can be backlash from the enemy when we from Satan when we are operating in the spiritual gifts. Do you think that that do you think that's true? I mean, I know I have experienced that in the healing training I've done. Um, a lot of the emphasis is on, you know, just, you know, just um, doing, you know, being doing all these things extremely prayerfully, you know, not going into territory if the Lord has not directed that, um, you know, doing spiritual warfare prayers. You have any thoughts on that, Bishop Stephen? Yeah, I mean, in general, that's a good principle. I think, and any time you're just drawing close. To God, or trying to be, you know, be at the service of God. Um, that's not light. That's that's not something that the evil one likes. <laughs> and right. so, I mean, there is there is some. That's a general spiritual principle. I think anytime we're drawing close, there should there should be some experience of some kind of temptation or resistance. Um, to be aware of that, to discern that, you know, it's not just um, maybe. 
a personal thing or it's not just, you know, it's, it is, there's a spiritual dimension that a person should always be aware of. And I think even, you know, praying, like you say, praying for protection or asking the Lord to guide the work and, you know, praying for protection, both those are all, those are important. Yeah. I, yeah, I think they are super important. Um, two, I think for people to know, you know, I, you know, they're like, how do I know if I'm operating in a charism, or if it's just a natural talent that I have? And I think it's the Catherine Estienne Institute has just great guidelines, you know, that they use in their four characteristics of a charism. Um, they say that if it is a gift of the Holy Spirit, it should always be focused outward. So if it's something that you're just receiving for yourself, then it may not be a charism. Um, And it's something we receive, we don't achieve it. So, for instance, Bishop Stephen, if, um, like, say, maybe your leadership gift, maybe that's a natural talent. But if you, you know, but maybe you are receiving that guidance from the Holy Spirit and you totally know that. You know you're not doing that on your own power you know, then that would help assure that that's a charism. Um, There are always supernatural results when we are moving in the Holy Spirit, in the spiritual gifts. And then um, with with our main charisms, they are also long-term in nature. Though I've had the experience of also being given a temporary um, a temporary gift that was used for a particular situation. So I've received a temporary um, spiritual gift of healing, you know, because it was needed for something that I was dealing with, you know, with a person that I was dealing with. Um, so it seems like those four characteristics are a good thing to keep in mind for um, for people who are growing in their gifts. Other things that come to your mind in that, Bishop Stephen? Yeah, I mean, one of the basic stories is just, being poor in spirit, um, Jesus gave the image of being as humble as a child. Mm. I, mean, I mean, I find that um, if I'm too much in control, then I worry, then I, um, you know, I'm anxious or worried, but it's, it's, that's because I've lost that stature of being a child, being a servant, um, being poor in spirit when I'm dependent upon God. So I think that's kind of basic for all the, all the gifts. Boy, I and I think that's a keystone because I think that I think that pride is something that can get all of us off track. There was one time when I was teaching in Spokane that I actually did some healing prayer with a student, which probably is inappropriate when I think back on that. <laughs> but anyway, um, she had an amazing healing that happened, and I actually brought other students in on that. We were praying together. The next day, I drove into the parking lot. And she came running at me from across the parking lot. Oh, you're so wonderful. I was healed. Da, 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 da. You know, and I, I literally got the words, get behind me, Satan. You know, it was like the temptation was flashed before my eyes, you know. And so I really quickly said, that was the Lord. You know, that was the Lord. He's just working with me, you know, for your healing. So really important, I think, whenever we're operating in the spiritual gifts to always, always point to back to the Lord as the giver of all these good gifts. Um, I think that it's, it's a, 
it's just something that's super important because I think it's easy for pride to get in there. Any thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Yeah, I would say, I mean, sometimes people, for example, are uncomfortable when people are compliment them, and I would say, no, you say thank you, um, but, but we always do it with a sense of thank you. That's a gift from God. Um, I, I affirm that God's working through me in that way, but it's not just me. Yeah, that's, that is a beautiful way to put it, Bishop Stephen. It's like, right, thank them. It is a privilege when the Lord partners with us in that way. You know, for for what that person needs, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And um, as long as they're not putting us up on a big pedestal and starting to idolize us, and I think as humans, that's kind of always um, that's always the danger. You know, that's always the danger. Um, so continue to point the way back to the Lord. Um, we are getting ready. Now, to go back to North Dakota and to have Eli tell us about uh, events that are coming up soon. But meanwhile, uh, stay with us here, and because Bishop Stephen is going to give us a blessing as we finish our program today here on Real Presence Live. So back to you, Eli. Hey, thanks, Kathleen. Uh, got another great show coming up Monday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, here on the Real Presence Radio Network. That's hosted by Brandon Clark and John Clark, coming to you live from our Fargo studios. They'll visit with Jeff Bates. He'll talk about healthy habits for mind, body, and soul. Then Dr. Stacy Dr. Stacy Trasankos will talk will give us a Catholic guide for, for navigating science. Plus, Alyssa Hagerdorn will talk about a unique way to give to those in need. All that and a whole lot more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That's Monday morning, nine to eleven AM Central here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Right back to you. All right. Thanks, Eli. I want to wrap up our session here on prophecy um, by just uh, sharing a little reflection that I read in the Magnificat from yesterday. And I love when the Lord brings these things our way. Um, This is a reflection from St. John Paul II. And and I don't know that I'll pronounce his name right. So, Bishop Stephen, you can help me. Is it Novation? Novation? Anyway, uh, St. John Paul II said, As Novation once pointed out here, expressing the authentic faith of the Church, it is the Holy Spirit who, and here's a quote, confirmed the hearts and minds of the disciples who revealed the mysteries of the Gospel, who shed upon them the light of things divine. Strengthened by his gift, they did not fear either prisons or chains for the name of the Lord. Indeed, they even trampled upon powers and torments of the world, armed and strengthened by him, having in themselves the gifts which the same Spirit bestows and directs like jewels to the church. Um, and at that point, Bishop Stephen, let's have you do a blessing for all our listeners out there. Okay. Yeah, Almighty God, we ask your blessing over all those people who are listening today, in fact, over all your church. We ask you to bless them with a deepening sense of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit has gifted them. We ask your blessing over all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Bishop Stephen, for being here with us today. Thank you also to Heather Caro, who was here with us for the first hour. Um, here on Real Presence Live, join us next first Friday and fan the flames. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. 
Tune in for an Encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.